This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 252 of It's All Tim's Fault. But for this episode, Dane is sharing the blame with me, <laughs> since it was another missing gap between episodes on our normal schedule. But we're back now, so joining me in sharing the blame is Dane himself. What's up, Dane? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Tim. I uh, went on a work trip, uh, unexpected work trip, um, um, at that week that we uh, were supposed to record. And when it came time to record, I ended up just sleeping in <laughs> because, <laughs> of the, because of the jet lag and, and uh, everything. I, I didn't think three hours would be that much, but, oh, man, yeah, it's uh, it hit me really, really bad. <laughs> Understandable. But... Yeah. It just sucks because you're in LA. Obviously, I'm in California, not yeah. too far from that. You got to come down here when it's not work related, though. <laughs> so get actually yeah. up and do things. <laughs> well, uh, you see that that was the the thing because I was there for seven days and ended up only working three. What? <laughs> right, because of the weekend. <laughs> so, um, uh, actually, really, really nice. Um, First time in LA. I've never been to LA. I've been to San Francisco, San Diego. Never been to LA. Uh, the, the awkward part was uh, so my job put me at the uh, Four Seasons Beverly Hills. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can imagine me going to work in uh, jeans, my work shoes, regular old t shirt, and coming, coming back covered in dirt or <laughs> people eyeing you and giving you grass <laughs> yeah. if i didn't feel underdressed when checking in i felt underdressed uh, massively underdressed <laughs> um uh after when i came back uh covered in dirt and mud and you know all uh, grass and leaves and stuff <laughs> oh, <man>. so yeah <laughs> actually like... i took out I actually took off my shoes when I went in the lobby. <laughs> I feel bad. 
Did like the doorman or someone go like, sir, are you sure you got the right hotel? Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, the I, I got a few strange looks. I'm not going to lie. I got a few strange looks uh, from people uh, dressed in very nice, expensive clothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the hotel, the, the the room was nice, uh, really, really nice, um, nicer than I've ever been in, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I bet. Uh, but yeah, uh, only work, ended up working three days. Uh, yeah, and uh, had the rest of the time to myself. So yeah, that that, that was my trip. Uh, didn't really do anything. Went to eat at a couple of places. Uh, tried to go, um, to do a couple of things, uh, but I don't know, it was just too crowded and going in there by myself was a little weird. Mm. Uh, just walking around, uh, I, I, I went on the, uh, the infamous, uh, or famous Rodeo Drive, uh, (laughs) um, didn't buy anything (laughs) because everything was looks expensive i should say yeah uh so i I saw where they um where they uh record jimmy kimmel live (laughs) did you see any of the superheroes walking down no i (laughs) did i no i don't think so um i've never seen a street crowded like that and there's so many people walking um but yeah, I saw, saw the Jimmy Kimmel Live studio where they record that. I uh, saw that Oscars store. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, didn't do much. <laughs> I should have done more. But, uh, you know, it was my first time in L.A. I've never really, uh, I've been to the airport, but that's not really visiting. Oh, not, so that's, that's not a fun experience either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. LAX. Yeah. Not too good, but um, yeah, just just walked around. Uh, most of the places were closed by the time uh, I was finished with work. Um, yeah, just hung out, hung out around the hotel, around the hotel area. Yeah, so so good work trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time you're down here, it has to be for fun. You got to come down. We'll go to, to take a trip to Disneyland, experience Galaxy's Edge together, do all that fun yeah. stuff. The real fun stuff in California. So. The real fun stuff. <laughs> all right. So death, So that's why it's all Dane's fault for a yeah. <laughs> big gap between episodes. Who knows? It'll yeah, probably be my unexpe- fault next time. So. The unexpected work trip was, was, the, uh, was the problem. <laughs> And with that, we got a lot of stuff to talk about on this one. So let's get the show on the road, as always, with our Fellowship of the Ring, Minute by Minute Commentary. And we're going to be going from minute 39 to minute 40, another milestone in our commentary, uh, as we get closer to that big hour mark, (laughs) which is still not very close to the end of the movie, though. (laughs) We'll take the small milestones as we can get up with this. So as always, go ahead and grab your VHS copy, your Betamax copy, your DVD copy, Laserdisc. Your HD DVD copy, your Blu-ray copy, your UMD copy. I didn't forget that one towards the end this time. I finally remember. (laughs) (laughs) Your 
blockbuster membership cards and you go rent it your netflix physical media version from the mailbox your dvhs version and as always your converted vhs to dvd copy that we made on a pc so take any of those lovely options and i'll give the countdown dan are you ready was the psp before the ps vita yeah that was their first one yeah psp was their first one right yes and then I don't think the, PS... the Vita didn't have any physical media. Wasn't it all down, digital games? Yeah, it was digital. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Was the the PS Go or something? Or or am I just making that up? I, mm, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I think that was a Nintendo PS Vita was their last. Yeah. Yeah. Like when Nintendo's one. handheld was a Go. Had the Go name at the end of it. The Game Boy Go... The DS go, uh, the DS go, yeah. One of them, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame the Vita didn't have any physical media because it's another option we could list uh, at the beginning of our commentary intro. So <laughs> we could yeah, fit. well, we kind of we we kind of do right because you would have to download the movie, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah, on the PS Go, I mean PS I how, Vita. How big its memory storage was on that device? Probably not that big, because uh, I, I, I'm looking at the Steam Deck, uh, uh, the, the, the Valve handheld, uh, and it, it starts at 64. So that's like, what, one game that you can fit on there? Right, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, that was the video now, like 10 years old, probably? So I imagine the storage yeah. space might have been even smaller than that for a handheld that old. Yeah, like 32? That, that sounds out about right. <laughs> you fit like barely one game, <laughs> or or no no you, you have to stream the the rest of the data. Oh god! You, know, you can only <laughs> fill up thirty two and then you get to stream the rest. So oh, that's that's all. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think you'd be able to watch Lord of the Rings on there. Not the extended edition. No. <laughs> So, PSP, you, you'd have to have like three or four UMDs, right? I'd go with I go five, five, constantly switching them out. <laughs> yeah, so, I can't remember how was how the the battery life on PSP. Wasn't great. I don't remember it being too good. I would usually have the battery charger plugged into it when I would play a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the PSP, you could extend the uh, uh, storage, right? I don't think so. With, with a card. Could you? Well, maybe right? you could. I never did it. I never really yeah. had to. But yeah, because you just bought the physical yeah. UMD. Yeah. And save files oh. weren't that big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I guess, unfortunately, anyone listening won't be watching Lord of the Rings with us on their Vita. <laughs> but <laughs> we got all those other options, though. You're so good. Isn't the screen smaller, too? It was. I, right? never, I never actually seen one or held one in person, so... Yeah, me neither. That's uh, I... Anyway, I'm sorry to <laughs> distract us. <laughs> the PS Vita side, uh, side tangent that I never knew would come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yes, I'm ready, Tim. I'm ready okay. to do this. Let's go. Minute 39. Let's go. Three, two, one, play. 
a great starting shot with the ring just sitting on the table. I will say I need to I need to catch up or get going again on my Lord of the Rings book reading. I, I was going to start the Silmarillion. I got sidetracked with other things, but <laughs> I got all those books as I talked about recently. I need to get back into it. Yeah, you bought all of them, too. Not even all of them, really. <laughs> There's oh, more. No. There's more merch. Oh, yes. We talked about it, too, I think, on our last one, just how different the scene is in the or longer in the book. But this yeah. is still a great adaption of it in the movie. Why would you make your your um, your doorways round? <laughs> Why not? Oh, yeah, I guess. That's the beauty about the Shire and the Hobbit holes. I mean, it wouldn't be the same if they didn't have those round walkways, round doors. It's just a, a pleasing visual aesthetic. <laughs> wonder if it holds up good against the earthquakes. I hope so. I mean, yeah. they're still there as far as, like, tourist attractions, so I, think, I guess they must. Does like, New Zealand get a lot of earthquakes? They get some. I don't know about a lot, though. But... Yeah. And that's our minute right there. And again, I'm All right. bummer note about earthquakes, but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try to keep it more positive on the next one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, let's get into it. Like I said, a lot of stuff to talk about. So, the first thing I want to give a review of, because we got TV shows to talk about, gaming news I want to talk about. But first, we'll talk about. The latest comic book movie that came out just a week ago, which was Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which I did see last weekend. And <laughs> judging by the box office results, not too many others saw it, uh, which is a shame. But yeah, it was for an opening week. I saw it on a Sunday. I couldn't see it on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon like I usually do. But on a Sunday afternoon, it wasn't a very <laughs> full theater when I went to see it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I... I... I totally forgot about that movie, to be honest. Like the whole production, the trailers, and going to see it. So, I guess I'm part of the the rest of the uh, the people. <laughs> You're part of the problem, Dane. <laughs> I I did see everything everywhere all at once, though. I on still the, need to check that out. Yeah, I mean, on the plane even right back. <laughs> Even before it won all the Oscars, I know people were when it first came out. People were at work telling me to see it and to see it. I haven't got around to if I want to though, and I probably will soon. Yeah, it's really good. It's weird. It's really weird. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's really good. It really gets its uh, its message across. I'd say. Yeah. That's good. But uh, Shazam, two Fury of the Gods. I I totally missed the boat on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the problem was a little bit of the marketing, too. There wasn't a lot of buildup. And when the trailers came out, even for me, like, I wasn't super pumped to see it. The trailers, I mean, it looked like, okay, it just felt like, like it was going to be fun, but it just felt very generic of, of a, a superhero movie. So, of course, I was going to see it because I really liked the first one. I just watched it not too long ago, and it, I think it's great. It's just a great origin story. It's just a very fun, different type of comic book movie. So... I really liked it, the, the first one, but for this one, just the trailers never really grabbed me that much to get me really excited. 
Um, the second one I thought was a little better, kind of showing more of what the plot was going to be. So going into it, I was expecting just a good, fun time at the movies, and that's pretty much what I got. I didn't, I didn't love it. It's de- it's definitely a step down from the first one. There's some issues with it for me, but at the end of the day, it was a fun time spending a Sunday afternoon seeing some superhero action. But I thought it started off pretty solid. I'm continuing on where the first one left off and introducing the new plot for the second movie I found interesting at the start where um, you got the daughters of Atlas as the main villains, uh, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu, as we saw them in the trailers. Um, They are kind of reawakened after Shazam broke the wizard staff that gave everyone the powers, but it's doing that broke off a seal from the gods uh, who are still alive and they want to reclaim that power back. That was their father's. So um, there were some interesting ideas brought up too in there as far as with uh, the kids, the foster kids about Billy Batson and Mary kind of aging out and what that's going to mean for them. They're going to have to leave their foster home. So interesting ideas there that didn't really get, developed on enough which i think would have been really interesting to explore more for the characters um but the thing with the movie i felt that felt off for me and this might kind of sound weird is that there wasn't really a lot of billy batson in this movie with uh actors of angel asher because uh, he was great in the first one but he was barely in this movie at all and, and hey, tim can i ask you a question yeah. really quick about because what I heard was part of the, part of uh, people's problem with the movie was that the Shazam character didn't really mesh up with the kid character personality-wise. That is one hundred percent how I felt, and that was kind of one of my issues uh, with it because it felt like when he was just regular Billy Batson as a teenager, he felt. There's more and more growth, more maturity with him there. And then when he turns into Shazam, he's acting like a pre-teen teenage kid, more of a kid and not kind of more mature and taking things seriously. It got, I mean, there was funny stuff because Zachary Levi, he was great in the first one. I loved it. But for this one, while he did have some funny moments, it almost came off as being more obnoxious in this one than he did in the first it just exactly why it works. Like it should be the opposite, where the kid is acting more when he's this regular Billy Batson, acting more rational and more mature than he is as Shazam, as a superhero and as an adult. So that did felt off to me. And I was gonna say it might sound weird that I would want more of the character without the superpowers, because sometimes that's a complaint in older superhero movies where it's like oh, you want to actually see them as a superhero more or find a good balance where there's as their regular character and as a superhero character uh but this one we got more of Sh- him as a hero in shazam and i wanted more of him as billy batson <laughs> because there is just that big distinct in uh their personalities it really felt like two different characters um where it was yeah. even some and with the other kids who have the shazam powers it felt more like they were the same characters when they were adults but billy batson was the one outlier who just felt totally different that that's was something that took me weird. out of it a bit yeah that's yeah that's weird like you would think like somebody on set would be like wait a second we have two different characters playing the same character right Mm. like how come he's you know this serious you know teenager and then when he turns into Shazam, it's like he's like a goofy kid you know yeah like you would think that there would be some sort of 
note or what a production note on that. And it, yeah, that, that, and it, that, that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And that works really well in the first one because, yeah, he's a kid and he's just experiencing having all these superpowers. And of course, he's going to act like that. But again, it's like a year or two after the first one. So you think it'd be more, it wouldn't be such a thing where like, he's getting used to or he just so impressed or like to have these powers is just such a great. Obviously, it'd always be a cool feeling to have, but just that newness of it and that off factor of having it and just trying to do all these weird and different things with those superpowers would wear off. <laughs> that effect would wear off and you kind of just settle into that role. But yeah, so that really wasn't the case. And I mean, the thing is, like, the cast of characters in this are really great. All the kids have a great dynamic. I mean, it's hard to give everyone enough screen time, but when they're together, they just have a really fun dynamic that works well. And just seeing them, I like how it showed not. They're trying to be heroes, but yet them being kids, they still sometimes do, I don't want to say more harm than good, but when they try to do good, there's a lot of collateral damage <laughs> that happens. The first action sequence is a lot of fun where they try to save people or save a collapsing bridge, which they save all the people, but um, they fail at saving the bridge and causing massive damage to Philadelphia. So <laughs> um, they're not really well regarded amongst uh, the citizens of Philadelphia as being true heroes. Some of them <laughs> view them as a nuisance. Uh, so that was a kind of a fun avenue to explore. It does make sense because they are kids. They are trying to do good, but yeah, their inexperience definitely shows in this. And I did like it how with the villains, it did go into more of the Greek god mythology with the daughters of Atlas and what they're trying to trying to achieve here. So, and even at uh, the end, there was some cool stuff with classic Greek mythology monsters with the Minotaurs, Cyclops, Chimeras uh different take on unicorns which visually was interesting <laughs> but um so there are some cool action beats in the beginning but i felt and even the story too i kind of got a little messy at the end where it didn't know kind of what it wanted to do with like a, the action beats and what where to focus on with the story um with billy bats and try to take or stop the daughters of atlas um because i did like how it brought a theme of kind of sacrifice that had to be made where to lose a lot a few of the kids lost their powers over the course of the movies and then billy realizing the only way to stop one of the daughters of atlas was to kind of sacrifice not necessarily lose his powers but actually sacrifice his life uh to stop them and which he eventually ends up doing spoiler alert because <laughs> i know a lot of you probably haven't seen it but uh, if you're listening to this i haven't seen it seen it yet you probably don't mind on certain spoiler stuff but um so, yeah, he ends up sacrificing himself. It was, was a cool action sequence against him versus a giant dragon. That dragon was really cool. But <laughs> um, there were just certain things in that final action sequence where you got the kids without their powers and the wizard trying to stop these monsters. And they, I, I mentioned those unicorns, the little uh, uh, girl from the first one uh, who's who tames it with Skittles. That's <laughs> kind of a, a weird moment. And... Uh, seeing this the the Marvel family riding on unicorns without this without their powers looked felt a little silly, but <laughs> I guess that was one of those things that just I to me anyway didn't mesh well. Even though you know it's a movie uh, meant to have some fun action, it just felt weird to me. I don't, I don't know why, but the thing is too, it didn't really get a lot of that. You saw them riding these unicorns and about to chase these monsters off and to get, kill these monsters, but we didn't get much of that. And then you'd get. Uh, focus on another aspect of that accuracy with Billy and one of the daughters, Shazam and one of the daughters of Atlas, 
and another one of the Shazam family members doing their own thing was another daughter of Atlas, which was uh, going back into another plot detail where they had one of the daughters of Atlas was a teenage girl who was trying to get uh, try to be friendly uh, with Freddie Freeman's uh, character or Kevin Freddie Freeman is his name, but his um, super powered uh, Shazam version of himself where she was just kind of being friendly with them to get in to find out uh, where the staff was or not where the staff was, but to kind of take away their powers and get it. So all the Shazam family members wouldn't be an obstacle for the daughters of Atlas. So there was a dynamic between them two uh, that was going on. And like I said, just the final act, it just, felt a little messy to where we got to the big moment where Billy was trying to sacrifice himself to stop one of the daughters of Atlas, which he does, um, which of course going into it, you knew <laughs> what's it going to last or you knew he would survive, but it did make for uh, a good moment between him and his foster parents and with Freddie Freeman, his best friend, because uh, they did their chemistry uh, that they have. Freddie Freeman and Billy Batson was really well. We got a little bit of that in this one, but it was so good in the first one. I wish we had more of that in this one uh, to help uh, his death scene or seeing Freddie's reaction to Billy's death scene. It was really great. Um, but that's more from what you know on the first movie and not so much on this one since they didn't really uh, have too many scenes together as just Billy Batson and Freddie Freeman. So uh, again, I just, I just wish it was a better balance between the Billy and Shazam character that we had in the first movie that this one I felt was lacking. But then there's a big thing that, um, you know, Billy's going to come back. But how is that going to happen? It would have been a cool surprise to see how he was brought back to life seeing the movie for the first time. But the marketing department at Warner Brothers uh, wanted to show you that in the commercials (laughs) because Wonder Woman was in this movie. And because they actually showed a clip of her in one of the commercials, that surprise was ruined. And it was kind of a bummer because obviously it was a desperate move for them to try to get people to go see it. It obviously didn't work, so they should have just still kept it a surprise. I know the director was kind of really disappointed with that and this other kind of plot twist, too, that happened in here pretty much were all revealed in the marketing. So that was a bummer, but it was so cool to see Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and just the role that she played just at the very end because they were saying – with the daughters of Atlas gone that they were defeated and one of them survived because the one who's uh, friends with Freddie Freeman and she lost her powers. Um, so she couldn't bring Billy back to life. And they were saying there's no more gods left, but then you see the, the boot of wonder woman hit the ground and the classic theme starts playing and she goes, not all gods are gone. <laughs> and so she's able to re repower the staff and bring Billy back to life. Um, which, again, was really cool to see her. It fits that she would be in this type of story that deals with uh, that Greek god mythology. So that was a cool cameo, but just, again, uh, ruined by the marketing. And it wasn't even a leak or spoiler by some fans or online site that saw it. It was just actually from Warner Brothers marketing themselves. So it's just disappointing, to say the least. Um, So, yeah, just overall a fun time. It's not... To me, going to be uh, one of the not a very memorable one where I think, oh, this is like a, a great moment or a great action sequence that I've never seen before in a superhero movie. A lot of it felt generic, like I said before, but still a fun time to be had. So um, 
overall, I'd give it uh, probably two and a half out of five um, for Shazam Fury of the Gods. And the post credit scenes were kind of head scratchers, too. Um, the, the, I'll start with the last one first. It was this, almost the same one as in the first movie where uh, Dr. Savannah is still in jail and he gets greeted by Mr. Mind, a little worm <laughs> creature uh, who's a Shazam villain. Who, I mean, he's a fun villain. <laughs> so if they, I kind of wish they would explore more with him in the sequel, but they're just kind of setting up more of a tease that is not going to have a payoff here. And then the f- first mid credit scene, this is the one where obviously now is getting a lot of attention where um, two characters from the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker series, forgive me for not remembering their names, but they're going to recruit Shazam to join the Justice Society. And it was a little fun bit where they were saying, we want you to join the Justice. And she sounds like, the Justice League? Oh, yes, I'll be teammates with Wonder Woman. That's going to be great. And then it's like, no, it's the Justice Society. Then he's like, why is there two different superhero groups with the similar names with the words Justice in there? And then he starts reading off these different names they can use. He's all, ooh, the Avengers of Justice. That has a nice thing to it. So <laughs> a little fun nod at Marvel there. But the thing that's getting a lot of hoopla right now is how Instead of those two characters from Peacemaker being the ones to recruit him, it was supposed to be Hawkman and Cyclone from Black Adam, actual members of the Justice Society. But um, The Rock didn't want them to have any crossover with Shazam. And it's it's causing this whole feud going on between Zachary Levi and The Rock about um, him thwarting the plans for the Shazam movie and just, you know, (laughs) causing all this kind of bitterness, I think, they have or Zachary Levites. I'm sure some of the other production coaches and towards Black Adam and The Rock and what they wanted to do, which honestly is a shame because it was a poor decision to, for I, I think this mainly came from The Rock, too, as far as keeping the Black Adam movie really separate from Shazam when they should have been more connected and meld, meld together to set up. Uh, a potential future storyline between the two where they'll meet because obviously Black Adam is Shazam's biggest villain and the fact that you'd want to keep them separate is a head scratcher. Uh, what I remember reading, it's because The Rock really wants Black Adam to be more serious and Shazam's more on the lighter tone, kid-friendly side of things, but still, you got certain characters like The Wizard is in both movies. Um, they referenced a little bit of Black Adam in the first Shazam, so it just felt very natural for the direction of the story of the Shazam movies to go to eventually have them meet up. And it would have made for a good story of, like we saw in the comics, just how a Black Adam uses the Shazam power, just how different Billy Batson uses uses the power, and how their ideals clash. And it would just I really wish it would have went that direction, because while... The plotline for Fear of the Gods was kind of interesting as it started off anyway, dealing more with the origins of the Shazam powers with the Greek gods. Um, it just felt like the movies could have gone in a more interesting direction with the Black Adam side of things, just showing how one person uses those powers and how Billy Batson would use in two different ways and having them clash. So it's just kind of kind of a mess how everything turned out for the Shazam franchise, judging by the box office results. And the response for this one, I mean, critically, it didn't do good. The fan reactions kind of mixed. I see a lot of people who really enjoyed it for a fun movie, which it is. Um, but more than likely, it's not, I don't think it's going to be getting a sequel or, or going to fit in uh, James Gunn's uh, plans for the DC new DC universe going forward. Maybe 
Shazam will show up in other movies as just having an appearance in them. But as far as standalone Shazam movies, this is probably it, which is the same because like I said, the first one is great. I love it. And this, the cast of characters, the cast they had really worked well together. And I think they could have done some really more cool stuff with it, but doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So uh, we'll just have to settle for two Shazam movies right now. One really great one. And one that's um, not the best, but still a fun time. So that was the big complaint that that uh, the Rock didn't want uh, any any Black Adam thing in the Shazam movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, he was talking about the first one, the first Shazam movie. Even a little bit with that too. Was, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I don't think it was as bad as then because obviously the first Shazam was made first and they did a little tease because there was that moment where the wizard was explaining things to Billy Batson and he did show talk about the first one who had the power and kind of abused it. So they were teasing a little bit of Black Adam in the first one. But when it came to when Black Adam was in production and the second one, he didn't want no crossovers or connections whatsoever. Uh, I see. So it's all the rocks fault then. see uh, honestly black adam didn't do gangbusters either so i don't think he having black adam involved would have helped the box office at all i think it probably would have been the same maybe a little better but it definitely would have been more interesting story-wise and i think a better direction for the film series to go if he was involved within it yeah i i think you're right i don't think uh i mean even though the the Rock is a box office draw. I don't think having him in there would yeah, well, do anything. Not, he wasn't for Black Adam, so. <laughs> <laughs> is that one getting a sequel? The Black, no, it's not. Uh, no, that's pretty no, much done. Not. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of, I mean, obviously I'm not rooting for any of the movies to fail, but it's just funny to think, look back how he kept championing his, oh, the, hier- the hierarchy of power of the DC Universe is about to change, and Obviously, nothing happened. <laughs> the hierarchy. <laughs> well, in the executive position, it did now with James Gunn and Peter Saffron did. But as far as Black Adam being a main character of yeah. the DC Universe moving forward, not so much. And I just like you keep hearing these reports of how The Rock was really trying to establish himself as one of the big creative forces moving the DC movie universe forward, with Black Adam being the center of that. Obviously, trying yeah. to bring Henry Cavill back is like the confrontation with superman and black so pretty much superman and black adam were going to be the main characters or at least in the rock's mind moving forward with the dc universe but obviously that didn't happen so you just gonna have to roll with the changes that are happening and again i'm i'm excited for what's to come with the dc universe with james gunn uh running things and it was just announced too a couple of weeks ago how james gunn will be directing superman legacy which i think is a really great move especially when he's writing it, he's it's pretty much his baby go, bringing the Superman movie um, to us in this new DC universe. So I just think it, it would be right for him to helmet as the director as well. And just being a big fan of what he does with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, just from the trailers looking like to be his best movie yet. I'm really anxious to see what he's going to do with Superman. It's, it's going to be interesting because obviously... The tone of a Superman movie is gonna has to be vastly different from Guardians of the Galaxy and the Suicide Squad. So I think it's gonna be an opportunity to, for him to show 
what he can do as a director to do something uh, different than what we're used to seeing from him. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I'm really excited that he's the one directing the Superman movie that he's writing. It just seems right for it to do that. Yeah, so I guess it's just best to forget, like, Black Adam and Shazam. Yeah. And Shazam 2 ever happened and sort of, like, just focus on the the James Gunn Superman DCU thing. Yeah, it's just a couple of stories that were told in the previous DCEU universe, so, and that's it. <laughs> Not going to have a big impact moving forward, I think. Well, I mean, if it, hmm. you know, I, I mean, I guess th- this goes to show that I think the, uh, the DCEU movie universe or whatever we're calling it needs a hard reset. It doesn't need a soft reset. Yeah. It needs a hard reset, you know, Which hopefully it gets that. I think we're getting, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think we should. It should be a full blown reset, but I don't think it's going to be completely full blown. But like you said, a hard reset. Some for most things are going to be yeah. totally different, with very few things kind of carrying over. Like Amanda Waller, obviously from Play by Viola Davis, is continuing on the James Gunn universe. I'm sure certain members of the Suicide Squad that James Gunn did is probably going to be carrying over too. But for the most part, everything else will be totally different. So yeah, I'm expecting a full blown hard reset, which will start with the flash in a couple of months which uh i hope i'm not getting myself too excited for it but i'm really getting hyped up for it just for some of the reactions for those who have seen it already and saying it's really great and how they're kind of going to premiere it at the Cannes film festival uh first almost like a month before it comes out so there's just been a lot of positive buzz surrounding it beforehand so hopefully that's the case when we actually do get to see it in june and it was great seeing the trailer on the big screen when I saw Shazam. I gotta say, it looked awesome. I wonder why they do that. Why did they take like superhero movies to Cat, uh, the Cannes Film Film Festival? I guess the only I mean, the ones they're really proud of. <laughs> yeah, isn't that like for more like, uh, like stuffy European type, yeah. art films? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, which is cool because that means they feel they got something special there. They want to show it off earlier than as early as possible. So that's what has me excited. I guess. I guess. <laughs> well, all, uh, all I will say. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, my review for Shazam Fury of the Gods. And now we can get into some, you know what? I was going to get into the TV stuff, but let's go with the video game route first, because <laughs> there's something that came out this week that has me super excited that I just can't wait to talk about. And uh, yeah, play. finally, uh, Tim, yeah, it's uh, Diablo 4. Right? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? The, the beta it, just came yeah. out for that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I know you were really excited to play it, Tim. So why don't you tell us about your time in Diablo 4? So excited for it that I forgot to even download it. And play it, so I'm afraid I can't do that right now. Oh no! It was just too excited that I forgot. Uh, I know what you're talking about, Tim. You're talking about Dead Island 2, aren't you? (laughs) Has um, see that's a game franchise I know of. I can't remember when the first one came out. Never played it, obviously. Didn't know there was a second one. If it's out or not, so you have to tell me, Dane. Is that something that just came out, or is it coming out? I have no idea. 
uh, Dead Island 2, I think it's coming out. I think it comes out before Jedi Survivor. Oh, okay. Uh, like a week before, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, Jedi Survivor, I, I just... Look, I just want a game to play, a, a new game to play. That's all I want. Is that so hard to ask? <laughs> you know? Like, we could have been playing it right now month. if it didn't get delayed yeah. again. But. Yeah, now I got to wait another month for Jedi Survivor. But, uh, but anyway. The point does it look good, though. No, <laughs> that new trailer yeah, we got. looks really good. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's none of those games, Tim. You're not excited about Diablo 4. You're not yep. excited about Dead Island 2. No. You're not excited about Jedi Survivor at all. I, and I didn't say that. You're not a real Star Wars fan. <laughs> you're not a real Star Wars fan like me. How dare but you? But you're excited. You are excited for... I forget the name of the game. but, uh, <laughs> but no, More like you couldn't think of some random weird game to mention. Yeah. More likely. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're excited for, and uh, as am I, for the the last Ronin game, Tim. Last uh, Ronin game that's that's going to be like God of War, or at least that's what they they, they say they want to aim for. Yes. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of a bad idea to. To, to base your game on such a specific <laughs> game, but yeah, you're setting expectations high. I mean, even though yeah. I haven't played them yet, I want to. I know you raved about them. Others have raved about them, so I know they're great, regardless of not having played them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, if it's anything like the the God of War franchise, uh, the God of War remake, and then a God of War uh, Ragnarok. You know, it's it's um, if it's anything like that, it's gonna be at least good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially with the story from the comics. I don't right. know. I mean, like I'm hoping that they, they sort of sort of do what The Last of Us did, where they like take certain story elements and change them and expand them or but but yet still tell the the, the story of uh, the last Ronin. Yeah, I mean, in part of the quote in that interview, it was because we don't know who the developer is. I think they're still keeping that a secret, but it's kind of like the president of uh, of Viacom or Paramount, who owns the Ninja Turtles, um, talking about how they are making a triple A Ninja Turtles game based off the last Ronin. So just the fact that they're giving the Turtles a triple A video game treatment that they deserve is awesome. But again, hopefully it's a, like a really great developer behind it, too. Um, as you said, putting the label or mentioning God of War as your inspiration, that's put some high expectations on there. So um, it's when you say that, like, hopefully it delivers on those expectations. But man, when I read, because there's been rumors of a friend of mine on Twitter, Rashad, he mentioned how or reminded me, like, there's a triple A Ninja Turtle game in the works. I go, is there like, was that announced or anything? And then showed me an article like, oh, yeah, that's right. There there was one to be rumored. And now it, it officially got reveal here that it will be a Ninja Turtles game based off the last Ronin and a triple A title based off that story is just a brilliant move. And they even say they want to stay true to the story and it is going to be more, more mature. So it's going to be a game geared towards more uh, adult gamers. It might even have an M rating, which would be crazy to have a turtles game 
that's rated M and it's for more adults. But that's what, if you're going to do the last round, and that's what it has to be because it is a very mature and sometimes bloody <laughs> story. But uh, it's just, man, when I heard it, I was like, this is such a great idea. Not only because obviously a video game based on that story is awesome, but it'll just give more people the chance to experience one of the greatest TMNT stories ever if you haven't read the comics. So this having another avenue for those to experience it through a video game is going to be awesome. But I think it's going to make for a great, great video game. A single-player game, too, which, again, which is going to be different for Ninja Turtles. But uh, it, it, I kind of like that idea. I mean, it's always great doing co-op with Ninja Turtles. I mean, four turtles, there's nothing better than getting on with your friends and playing some beat em up action games with the Ninja Turtle as the Ninja Turtles. Um, but to do something different with a single player style game, I think is going to be a brilliant change of pace for a turtle games. And the last Ronin is the perfect story to do that with. Um, obviously spoilers on who the last Ronin turtle actually is being Michelangelo following his journey that he goes on here, utilizing the different weapons of the other turtles and your combat it should be a lot of fun to do but then what also is exciting as well is how in that interview it was mentioned how there will be flashback sequences too because we know there are those moments in the comics that tells you what happens to the other turtles um and how they unfortunately meet their demise and if we can play those too that's going to be a lot of fun imagine playing the fight with Raphael versus Karai the final stand between with Splinter and Donatello Leonardo and Casey Jones if if I had one small complaint about the last one of comic series, it was how that story of how Leonardo and Casey went down. I wanted a little more from that. So if the game can maybe expand on that aspect a little bit, that would be really cool. Uh, of course, I'm a little biased because Leonardo is my favorite turtle. And <laughs> him going down the way he did, I felt was a little anticlimactic for him. But we'll see if they do any changes with it in the game. But just having that avenue to do more and change things up in that game having these flashback sequences sprinkled out throughout the course of the main story as you play with michelangelo and then going back and doing some stuff with the other turtles is going to be lots of fun and again just to experience this story in the video game medium is just going to be so cool because the story is really really fantastic and quite emotional too because that final that final issue i mean it really hit me when i read it if they can uh, recreate that through the video game uh, boy, that's going to be something special. So, yeah, this was such exciting news to get. And unfortunately, it did say, too, that it's really early in development and a few years away. So we're going to be waiting a little bit. But, man, I think it's going to be absolutely worth it. I just can't even let alone play it. I can't wait to whether it's at the Video Game Awards, E3 or uh, a Sony or Nintendo live stream that they do where they we get our first look at the game and just a teaser trailer seeing how it's going to look it's going to be an awesome feeling so yeah this is some of the coolest video game news that we've gotten in a while the fact that we're getting a triple a turtles game and that it's going to be based on the last last phone it's like a match made in heaven <laughs> it was just so so awesome to get this news i cannot wait for it another thing worth talking about is the um the tmnt mayhem trailer Yes, um, I, right. I, I know some people that. didn't like it. I, I know some people didn't really like it, especially with the voices and stuff. But you got to remember the teenage part of this. And, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I, I, I really like the um, the, the art style. It looks like Same. they're going with the the Spider Verse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
big time. Art style, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I really love that uh, that trailer. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun, and it's what you expect. I mean, I don't know what people were expecting when you found out a new animated movie was in development by Seth Rogen's production team. So <laughs> you kind of knew this is how it was going to be. But I will admit the voices did throw me off a little bit where, man, they really do sound young, especially Donatello. <laughs> where it's like, yeah. it's, they sound nothing like any other turtle version before it. But it's not something that sounds bad. It's just something that you just have to get used to, which I'm sure once we see the movie, uh, we will. Like I said, the art style looks great in it. They're really embracing the title, uh, Mutant Mayhem, where there's going to be a lot of different mutants in there with tons of celebrity voices <laughs> uh, doing the, their voices. Uh, so some of the ones I, I can't wait to hear are Jackie Chan and Splinter. That's going to be awesome. But the coolest one, which I think uh, he'd, be able, or he'd be great in this role as live action, too, was Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman, especially if you've read the IDW comics or even watched the 2003 series. Uh, when I, I'm going to go more towards IDW comics. Cause when I read that Baxter, I think of Giancarlo Esposito as be perfect for that, especially how he is as Moff Gideon in the Mandalorian. He has, he's just like that straightforward, oh, could be ruthless type of villain, which Baxter is in the IDW comics. So he's voicing Baxter here, but I hope if we ever do get a live action Ninja Turtles movie or series or something, uh, where they have Baxter in it bring Giancarlo Esposito back because he'd be perfect for that more serious villain role as Baxter Stockman. But yeah, Mutant Mayhem looks like a lot of fun. It should just be another cool turtle turtle experience to enjoy when it comes out in August. Uh, August 4th, yeah. Pretty early on. So. Yeah. We'll probably get another trailer before then too, to probably focus more on the story of it. On the story, yeah. I want to see John Cena as Rocksteady yeah. or hear John <laughs> <Yeah>. Cena as Rocksteady. <laughs> Seth Rogen's okay. going to be great as Bebop. <laughs> oh, is he playing Bebop? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. Ice Cube is super fly. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Jackie Chan is Splinter. Um, I don't know. I... I you know what, Tim? I'm gonna disagree with you on on uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I I actually like the the Baxter Stockman of the 2011 um, uh, animated series. 2012. <laughs> 2012 animated series. Sorry. Uh, I do like where it too. He's really funny. <laughs> yeah, where he's just like a like a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I prefer that. But uh, I do like, like both. You said, but I yeah, mean, like I love the running gag in there how none of the turtles remember his name and can't get his name right over the course of the yeah. five seasons <laughs> they had to encounter with him. Well, it goes through the entire five seasons of pretty of much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, I thought it was just because I've only seen the first two, the first two seasons. So, um, wow, yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of cool turtle goodness stuff is on the horizon uh have you been yeah. reading the last ronin lost years yet dane no you know why because i i don't know like i kind of wanted to wait because i have this fear that they they're going to go to the to the well too many times mm. with, with the last ronin it's going to become a thing where it's just like 
they go, oh, you know, this is connected to the last Ronin, and it's uh, it's another thing connected to the last Ronin. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, fear not, because the first two issues of the last years have been just as great as the original graphic novel. It, they have really fantastic. Not only filling the gaps early on with Michelangelo kind of exile, but what they remember the tease they had at the end of Last Ronin with uh, those four baby turtles. Um, yeah, that's being expanded on too, and those new turtles are great. <laughs> I'll just say that. Really, it's some, some totally different, but I'm already loving the dynamic and personalities that these new turtles have. It's something really different, but I think really cool. So the series so far has been a great continuation of the last Ronin. So so far, if they're going back to the well, it hasn't been enough times yet because it's still firing on all cylinders. Uh, we'll see. I'll, 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 I'm gonna wait off. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off until I don't know issue it's five completed. or whatever. Okay. Oh, it's completed. No, no, not yet. I mean, oh. until it's completed. Oh, that's how long I'm gonna wait. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I'm gonna wait until. <laughs> but I made fun of you, Tim. I made fun of you for for liking the uh, IDW comic. The um, the 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 main title right mm-hmm. and ended up what being wrong that was uh, yeah <laughs> ended up being wrong on that so um delightfully wrong i'd say um when it comes to ninja turtle comics when when have i stirred you wrong never you're right tim you you are right um uh, and you you didn't steer me wrong on the oh, on the animated series, the CGI animated series. So, say when it comes to turtles, just just you, come to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll point you in the right direction. You, you kind of know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I, knowing I, I, how I guess much. I'll give it a ch- especially knowing you yeah. love the last Ronin as much as I did. This is going to be just more of the same great stuff. So. Okay, I'm going to give it a try, Tim. You will not be disappointed. Trust me. I am looking. Uh, I'm looking it up right now on Amazon. You're going to get the one issue, and then after you're done reading it, you're immediately going to get issue two. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do, but it wasn't out yet, and now I want issue three real bad. <laughs> uh, is it? Is it like the 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 last Ronin where it doesn't have a set date to release? Um, I can't remember exactly how many they're having. Like, what's the issue count? Should probably look that up. No, no, I mean it. It keeps getting delayed and delayed oh, and so, delayed. So far, not yet. They've been on time yeah. with these first two issues. Let's see, which one should I get? Oh, one of five. Is that what you're talking about? Okay, yeah. So there's only five. Okay. So yeah, it's not going to be very long. Oh, Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Same team behind the original. So, again, how can you go wrong? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, Tim. You got it? All right. All right Number I... one is, is, is in my possession now, digitally. <laughs> Same as mine. <laughs> I'll probably right, get the hard cover. You better be ready, Tim. I got the hardcover for the last Ronin a few months ago when that came out. And so far, how good the last year has been, I'll probably do the same. But 
yeah so definitely let me know what you think after you read it after we're done recording yeah but i already have a feeling i, I know what you're gonna think <laughs> you're gonna love it uh, if if I don't like it, Tim, I want you to Venmo me six dollars. Can you do that, Tim? It shouldn't be that much anymore. Usually, the total comics uh, go cheaper after a month they've been out. So and that's been out for two months now. So this will be only like three dollars or something like that. So. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the first one is a uh, dollar seventy nine, and the second one is uh, four forty nine. So look at you trying to extort like four extra dollars out of me, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, six. Tim, you owe me six dollars if I don't like six dollars and some change. Can, can you please Venmo me that? Uh, if I don't, uh, I'll, like I'll do it through Zelle, not Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, turtle stuff. Yeah, lots of great stuff happening right now with TMT. But yeah, it's also really weird how they're. I don't know. It seems like they're. They're really pushing the the TMNT franchise forward. You know, like bring it to the forefront uh, with the movie, the game, the comics, yeah, stuff like that. What I really love is just a live action TV show, and um, like in the same frame as some of like the Star Wars Marvel shows that we're getting. I mean, if I were to really wish, if we can get a TMNT live action series, like the Daredevil TV show was, giving how daredevil is such a big inspiration for turtles in general that would be amazing that same kind of more mature dark tone with it but still balancing out with a little more lightheartedness that the turtles have but uh, that would be a dream come true <laughs> a live action series like that how about maybe, maybe one of these days how about an animated series that just follows the idw comic that would be awesome too <laughs> just yeah. adapting I mean, all the like, stories i mean i i know they have the rise of the tmnt show and I don't know, is that movie still coming out on Netflix? It came out in August. It did? Yeah, it's out already. It's been wow. out for a while. On Netflix. It was really good, too. On Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, I must have missed that. <laughs> wow, Tim. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. So, something that's not Rise of the TMNT, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just wish like they do for TV shows and movie fronts. They do go that more. I mean, Turtles is for everyone. Obviously, it's geared more like kids right. are obviously more fans of it. But it seems like they're just leaving the stuff for like the adult audience, just from the comics and now video games. Where I kind of wish that we they do that for on the TV show and movie front as well. But since that's where they're still focusing more towards the younger audience side of thing, which I totally get, but. Um, it would just be nice to have one series that's kind of geared towards the more adult fans or one movie or one TV series. Yeah. Yeah. But then you got to remember who owns TMNT. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, with the game, I think that's their way of kind of giving something for us older fans to enjoy on the more mature side of things. I mean, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to be complaining. (laughs) Tim, why are you so greedy when it comes to TMNT? <laughs> I know there's so 30, over 30 years of content and stuff. Well, geez, yeah. it's going to be 40. I think next year is the 40th anniversary of the comic release, which is Jeez. insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, would, it, it, it would be nice to have like a, a more mature um, TMNT show. Yeah. But 
especially when the basis for one is there from the comic. So there's plenty of stuff yeah. to be inspired and adapt from to make it work really, really well. Yeah. You know, di- diversify your lineup a little bit. Yes. And that's what's just great about the turtles in general. You can just do so many different things with the, the more fun kids oriented type series that work really well. And then also <laughs> the more mature stories that work really well. That's why I love the franchise so much. It could just be adapted in so many different ways and work extremely well in those different avenues and story type of storytelling. So the turtles are the best. <laughs> just like star Wars, Tim. Exactly. And Hey, segue. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of good TV shows they're getting right now, I mean, since we last recorded, we haven't had a new season of The Mandalorian, but now we're four episodes into season three of The Mandalorian. So um, it's just great to have it back. Um, I've really been loving this season, minus a little bump in uh, the road, which I'm curious to hear your take on it, Dane, because I know it's been an episode that has very mixed reactions, but uh, I just love how the season kicked off with a bang just really a fun episode we're getting back to the swing of things with mando um journey going back to navarro meeting with grief carga or first going back to the mandalorian convert and saying hey i'm going to mandalore i'm gonna get i'm gonna redeem myself and just that whole intro with mandalorians finding that big monster <laughs> it was just man they're starting it off with a really cool action sequence right out the gate and while i've heard some complaints about the premiere saying oh there's like nothing big that was introduced or that happened in there it was just a good solid fun action episode that just caught you up with mando and grogu and what they're going to be doing but also having some fun elements in there with those pirates i loved that space battle that din Djarin had against those pirates it was was really cool a different type of like it was like a stealth base ba- space battle <laughs> i compared it to it's like batman going in the shadows taking out different enemies but it was Din Djarin was doing that just in a ship. <laughs> just it had a really cool, yeah. unique effect to it. So a lot of fun stuff there. And then going to Mandalore, seeing the ruins of Mandalore in live action. It's like you're seeing Mandalore looks totally different. It's destroyed and in rubble, but yet you're seeing like iconic scenery from Mandalore that we saw in the Clone Wars. And it just had that same effect of just being really cool to see Mandalore in live action, even though it's all, as Boba Fett described it, turned to glass. But that was just kind of a fun journey episode. Seeing Man uh, Din Djarin trying to make it down to, to bathe in the waters of Mandalore and the, in the mines of Mandalore, and just um, what he has to encounter there, and then Grogu going on his little adventure, getting uh, Bo Katan to help rescue him, and then them journeying together, and just kind of both opening them up, Bo Katan and Din Djarin opening up with each other, kind of obviously having their different beliefs, but yet both of them each kind of respecting each other or that respect is growing more. And then we got that big moment of where Din gets falls or is going to bathe in the water. Then he gets pulled down or not pulled down. You know, that was up for <laughs> debate. We even talked about that on the saga continues where I was like, I don't think he was pulled down by a monster. It just like he fell in the weight of the armor, uh, pulled him all the way down, which ended up being <laughs> the case where they said it was because of, uh, the cataclysm caused by the bombings of the empire caused the, the whole um, level, the ground level there to be totally different. And so it wasn't the monster that pulled them down, but actually seeing the mythosaur and Bo-Katan notice being the only one to see it. And I, I know we're going to see the, the mythosaur in all its glory, probably in the season finale, but getting that little tease of just his face and his eyes was just like really, really cool. Love that. And then in the third episode where, 
uh, Din and Bo-Katan made it out and had to take fight off some TIE fighters. It was another great aerial combat sequence in the series, um, which is that Naboo Starfighter. I mean, I'm so glad they made the decision to have that be Din Djarin's ship. It's just seen in an action like we've never seen before is just really cool. So I'm never get tired of seeing the N1 in action. But then we get to the side story of Dr. Pershing, which, again, I, I'm really curious to hear what you thought of this episode, Dan, because this is probably my least favorite episode of the series. Uh, really? Be, yeah, it's just... Oh, wow, Tim. I liked what they introduced, seeing the news, like how the New Republic is operating on Coruscant and that idea of the amnesty program they have with the Empire, or yeah. old members of the Empire, I thought is really cool and interesting. And just how, you know... The New Republic are doing things obviously kind of shady. They're giving numbers to those in the amnesty programming. They're not. They're kind of dehumanizing them a bit, like the Empire did with, and just even with the clone troopers. Like, no, even though you have a name, we're going to refer to you as numbers, <laughs> type of thing, which didn't seem right. And then they're still using that mind flare device, even though they're saying, "Oh, we're not the Empire. We're, we're only going to use it on the low setting here." But it's like it's still not ethically right to even be doing that. Um, even having that machine there. But I just felt the story they were trying to tell with Dr. Pershing, it went on a little too long. Like it didn't need to be this long to tell the story you were trying to tell. And I got to be honest, the, the humor in this episode is like, it took me out of it a bit. It's like, I rarely complain about this stuff in Star Wars, but there's some humor in Star Wars that just makes me roll my eyes. Like, Oh, this is a good, the EOP farting in Jar Jar's face. Um, Poe Dameron's phone call to General Hugs, as he called him in The Last Jedi, those are like some of the worst in Star Wars. But now, we, we're Star Wars is self-aware and referencing itself with the it's a trap moment. And then you go quickly go to a shot of the Mon Calamari, and he just looks at the screen. He doesn't look directly at the screen, but it's like the shot goes to him is like going, huh? Huh? Get what we're doing here? It's like he might as well just turn to the camera and wink to the audience. <laughs> it's like, you get the joke? So like stuff like that. I was like, ah. So again, it was like it was just a little bump in the road, but it's not it's not something I absolutely hate. It's just there's moments in there that aren't my favorite, even though there are some interesting stuff being introduced here. And I think it's gonna be an important episode down the line for what it's gonna set up later, but not my favorite of the series. But then we get the last new episode, which was phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it's the shortest one of the series, but this is the awesome stuff we get when your main character is a Mandalorian and the other is a Jedi with uh, Din and Grogu. It opens up with a great Mandalorian training sequence. Uh, just seeing all the Mandalorians and their element training to be the warriors that they are, which is really cool. But then we get the biggest uh, moment of the episode and something we've been waiting for, the answer of who rescued Grogu, and that is Kellerin Beck. Not familiar with that name? Well... <laughs> Hopefully you're familiar with the actor because it's played none other by Ahmed Best. Yes, Jar Jar himself. And that was just such a cool and brilliant move because we're all wondering, oh, it's got to be a character. We're all We know it's got to be a familiar Jedi who's going to save him. And it wasn't, but I couldn't be happier that it was Keller and Beg because it's just it feels right that it doesn't have to be always be some character we already know. And while this character has been known in the fan base, um, it's just great that Amma's Best is getting another chance to play a Star Wars character who plays a very important role in rescuing Grogu, who has become one of the more popular Star Wars characters in recent memory. So it's just awesome that Amma's Best gets another chance uh, to be part of the Star Wars universe after all the crap in the 
abuse he had to go through just for his portrayal of Jar Jar, which uh, was no fault of his own. But um, yeah, so the fact that he's back in Star Wars as a big character was just awesome. I was like super happy for him. So um, yeah, this season I thought so far has been really great. It has a different flow to it than the other two seasons had. And at the halfway point, uh, because I thought the main goal of season three was going to be, oh, Din going to Mandalore and redeeming himself. And that's probably going to happen towards the end of the season. It's like, no, it happened in the second episode. So <laughs> it's going to be curious to see how these final, the story is going to move forward in these final four. But um, I've been enjoying the heck out of it. So, yeah, Mandalorian season three has been awesome so far. You know, Tim, I almost hung up on you when you said you didn't like that third episode. <laughs> I had a feeling it might be one that you really enjoyed. <laughs> um, but now you, you get the chance to hang up on me because, um, not going to lie, the, the, the first two episodes, especially the first one, uh, I, I was, I was kind of sort of disappointed with it. You know, where it was like, where is this story going? And why are we getting so sidetracked? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the problem with, with the Mandalorian. You're getting sidetracked in every single planet you visit, every single person you visit. Like, <laughs> like what's going on? You know, I'm so sick of these sidetracks. Like, let's just focus on the main quest. Let's not do the side quests. All right. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I didn't really care about you know, um, Mandalore and bathing in the wall, in the waters underneath Mandalore, that, that, that whole storyline. But Tim, are you still there? Did you hang up? I'm still here. Continue. I'm letting you <laughs> say your piece. <laughs> but what keeps me coming back is not what you think it is, Tim. Interesting. It's not Pedro Pascal. It's not, the Mando character. It's not Baby Yoda. It is Bo-Katan. Not surprised. I really love her story. And where that that is seeming to head where she she's she's joined up with with uh with Din Djarin. Uh and I gotta say, out of everything on this that this show has introduced, the greatest thing that this, this show has done is A, the Darksaber, which is really cool, but B, it's Bo-Katan's armor. I don't think it has ever looked this good. It looks amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if they changed it between seasons, but man, like, uh, it, it, it really, really looks good. Um, I, I have zero complaints with that character and, um, yeah, like that that's what keeps me coming back because and you know that is kind of a strength of of the Mandalorian where it's like they don't have to necessarily necessarily stick with 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 Mando, right? Mm-hmm. They can have an episode or two or three where it focuses on a different character completely, right? And now we get to the third episode, which is Barely has Mando in it, right? Um, I think it, yeah. I think it's only the beginning. There's a little bit in the in the middle. No, and... there's no. Just it's bookended. Just the beginning and the end of the episode as well. Oh Mando right, yeah. It's just it, yeah. It's just the beginning and the end. 
But man, I love that third episode. <laughs> I I really loved it. Uh, it's it's a slower paced episode, and I can see why you Star Wars fans don't like it. Especially like you said. No, see, with, as I said, uh, most Star Wars fans, it's, it's mixed because I've seen a lot of fans yeah. who absolutely love it, and I'm kind of like in the minority there. But okay, well, I apparently seen the minority uh, <laughs> voice their opinions on. This third I mean, episode because I go ahead. I was gonna say it's rare when I'm the one who's more in the negative about a piece of Star Wars content <laughs> than yeah. most. I I really love that you know they they sort of change things up and like I don't know if you call it the New Republic, Tim. Uh maybe it's like a like a in between period. No, I mean, they're being referred to as the New Republic, so that's yeah. what they're called. But I, I, I love what they did with it, and they they sort of changed it up, where it's like, yeah, they're using these techniques. These re, let's just call it what it is, Tim. It's a re-education camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and like giving them numbers instead of names, and using that machine that mind flare machine on people to just lightly Tim. We're just doing a little bit of torture. It's, it, <laughs> you it, actually it, it's might okay. enjoy it. I think that's Lamont Calabar. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I love that. I, I, I totally, totally love that where it's like you're taking this thing that you're familiar with and you're adding a new layer to it where it's like, ah, oh, man, they're torturing people. They're putting people in re- re-education camps and, giving them numbers you know um infiltrating their little groups to to i don't know pick out the 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 bad eggs or whatever Mm. yeah i totally love that it it, i mean i guess yeah i i really love the nuts and bolts of of um of the star wars universe it's why i loved andor right um and yeah this is just another great example of it where it's like you you, you're taking this this idea idea that you're familiar with like the new republic because all the movies and stuff and like you're you're adding adding this new layer to it where it's like yeah you criticize that mon calamari character for being like oh you know like uh being cheesy with the it's a trap joke or you know we're just giving you a little bit of the mind flare it's 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 just a little bit of torture but but that's how it would be right that's how it would be if it were a real world situation right i, I don't know so about like, the, the joke but other the other stuff yes <laughs> yeah i mean like i don't know <laughs> That's that's what I love about the Star Wars universe, and oh man, I I love that episode. I had to, that's one of the best of, of Mando for me. Wow, I, <laughs> from my I, least I to one of your best. <laughs> yeah, I really really liked it. Um, just seeing like, I mean, I know uh, Pershing is like a you know a big character or whatever, and he had this sort of big role in the first season of Mando, but like yeah, I I really like how they we spent all this time with essentially nothing characters at this point and 
use them to tell the story of the New Republic and what they've done behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you can have this big propaganda-esque thing where it's like, well, we're the New Republic, but then behind the scenes, it's different. You know, yeah. there are re-education camps. They do use torture because that's essentially what that mind flare is, right? Uh, we do infiltrate, you know, these little groups of people, vulnerable people, right? Um, they, they've given themselves up to this this new program, and they expect to be rehabilitated. Um, and instead, we get the opposite. But anyway, yeah, I I I really love this episode, Tim, and I I can see why you Star Wars fans don't really like it uh, because there's no real like. You know, like a uh, connection to it where it's like, oh, you know, the Mando is the secret guy with the secret gun and the staff and no, so whatever. That's, no, that's right? not it at all. The but reason like, is just, I think it just went on a little too long with the story they were trying to tell. It didn't need yeah, to be. And did. again, some of those it did. jokes took me out of it. <laughs> that's it. But like I said, all it the did. stuff they set up, it's very interesting. It did, but that's the point of the episode, really. <laughs> right. Um, but. Yeah, I totally love this episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Uh, and then the uh, the fourth episode, I, I was sort of, again, we're getting sort of, kind of, sort of sidetracked with the side missions again. You know, it's like we're trying to kill this big beast thing, right? And... It was only rescued by one Ahmed Best. I <laughs> he totally rescued the episode for me. You know what? Let's give Ahmed Best his own Jedi Star Wars show. Hey, I That's not a that. game show. That's not a game show. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> he does have one, but uh, but yeah, I, it was so great seeing Ahmed Best and seeing um, Order sixty six again because I mean again. Order 66, I know it's like this this big thing, but what it really is is just some regular old political purge is what it is. So that's why I like seeing it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I thought this episode was okay. I thought it was all right. Uh, I, I, I didn't really care for the um, them taking, uh, ki- killing that uh, monster thing. Uh, but what I did like about that is they really stepped up their CGI in, in at least in this episode. Yeah, it was. Like, I thought right. it was really cool, and like that over, that third person camera shot. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a really quick shot, but like third person camera shot where you're on the back of uh, one of the one of the uh, Mandalorians. Yeah, like it's going into his mouth. Type yeah, shot. he's going into his mouth. That was really cool, and uh, uh, Din Djarin rescuing the kid. Uh, it, it looks really good. Um, looks, it, they really stepped up their CGI. In this, uh, or I don't know if it's like it's probably a mix of the CGI and the practical effects. Right. Just their yeah, monster, it, their monster budget ran up really this season because <laughs> all the monsters yeah, they did. showed look great. And those baby monsters, those things look really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know they look like baby birds, like uh, uh, chicks, but like, yeah. <laughs> They looked, uh, they looked really creepy. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this season is good. 
it's it, it's good. It's got enough for me to really grasp onto um, onto this season. Yeah, it, it it kind of doesn't have that same feeling as the second season or the first season. No, where it's like what's going to happen next sort of thing. It's it, it seems like they're really expanding the the the, the Mando universe really, yeah. um, and making it bigger instead of like having to take the kid to the people to do the thing, right? Um, and this season is like, yeah, we gotta, I, I gotta bathe in the waters under Mandalore. Okay, I did it. Okay, I'm back. Okay, I'm a Mandalorian again. Okay. And then in between all that, it's like they're expanding in the universe, which which I can really appreciate, especially um, what uh, was done with The Last of Us. Um, same thing here, kind of, sort of, where it's, uh, I mean, I know I complain about the side missions and side quests, but yeah, I can kind of see how, like, or at least what they're doing, where they're, um, you know, hitting the story points, but it's really more about, like, the, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's a bad word, but I'm going to say it, uh, filler. You know? <laughs> and I don't mean it in it. I don't mean it in a negative context, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, but um, it just took me a little bit to get into it into this. Sure. Season. Yeah. yeah. So that's my thoughts on uh, the Mandalorian season three. I, I I like it. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I I even though I was curious to hear what your thoughts on that third episode, I had a feeling you were gonna probably be more positive on it than I was because yeah. <laughs> that seemed like an episode that was more your alley. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Mandalorian, great to have it back. But before we had the Mandalorian kickoff, well, I think for a couple of weeks, they were both going on at the same time. So we had two Pedro Pascal shows going on <laughs> for a bit yeah. uh, with The Last of Us. I know um, in our last few episodes, we were talking about how much we've enjoyed. I believe we made it up to six. Episode six um, was where we last. Wow. Left <laughs> so <laughs> there was a lot that happened. Whole two episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or three, actually, but three, three. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're gonna hear my take as someone who was experienced the story, what happened for the first time. Well, I should say most of it, but then also, yeah. uh, Dane's thought of the adaption they did for it. So, yeah, I mean, just more of the same great stuff. The last episode seven and eight was just more great performances by Bella Ramsey as Ellie and the flash to back episode. And I kind of knew before that was kind of based on the DLC they had for it, which um, what was the name of that DLC again? Left behind. Left behind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just showing about uh, her friend. Uh, was it Riley? If I, I'm still getting yeah, Riley. I the names. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, to be fair, it's, it's a little bit of left behind DLC and a little bit of the, uh, or, uh, uh, origin comic i guess Ellie's origin oh, okay that's right comic, i remember yeah. remember them saying how that it was also based off a comic that they had too telling that although the comic is is kind of completely different yeah. okay yeah but so but, i I'm sorry Dave. i had I, I had a question for you regarding that oh, because yeah it was a great episode just establishing their relationship that they had and then to see it all crashing down when uh riley got bit and how even uh, Ellie getting bit too, but not knowing yet she was immune. And here's my question for you. How it ended here was both um, kind of them just sitting together and just kind of going to wait it out and see what happens. Do we actually 
whether in the comic or in the DLC, like see the outcome of that, because I was wondering if we were going to go back uh, to that moment and see what happens where we see kind of Riley turn, um, but Ellie still stays the same. And if she is the one who has to kill her because of that, um, does that, is that in the DLC or in the comic and the show just didn't show that part of it? Or is that something of how it was left in those stories as well? So that whole episode is beat for beat the DLC. So no. Oh, okay. No, you Bye. don't. Yeah. But you assume, right? Mm, yeah. And um, you see, it, they're, they're playing with time and release dates and stuff. So like you play The Last of Us, right? And then um, in the climactic scene at the end, you know, Ellie talks about Riley and, you know, she um, she says she killed her, right? Um, so like you have that in your mind and then you played or you read the, the origin comic and then you played the, uh, the, the DLC and then it's like, oh, you get to see it and you just assume what happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's mean, not too hard to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what happens. So like, uh, no, they, they, um, they don't show it. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was curious on. If it was it was just the show's decision to not really show all of it, or if they were adapting how it was in the game, which which yeah. seems to be the case then. Which yeah, they just um, do a great job also, of adapting. <laughs> also, they did a again, they did a great job of adapting that whole DLC, where it's like uh, it's it's almost beat for beat the 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 story of the of left behind even down to the masks that they okay. put on in the halloween store i couldn't believe it like same ma- same type of mask too like a same, werewolf and a, <laughs> that's cool, same, but... a, a werewolf and a clown yeah it's the same exact mask i, cu- I couldn't believe it um the only difference uh is uh there's no electricity and they can't uh play mortal combat and uh, of course it's not mortal combat yeah I was gonna say that's that's what that was my favorite part of the episode, just seeing the joy they had, especially yeah. Ellie getting able to play Mortal Kombat for the first time. I wish it was Street Fighter, but it's still a fighting <laughs> game. But the joy of playing a fighting game at the arcade um, is something I always had as a kid, so it was kind of cool to see that um, have that yeah. same joy at an arcade playing a fighting game, even though it was Mortal Kombat and not Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's really great, Sim. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to to hear what you think about uh, uh, episode eight. Yeah, episode eight was a great one. I mean, I mean, the stuff that Ellie had to go through in that one, but it was terrible. But man, <laughs> um, just I mean, that character of David, like right when you see him, like oh, this guy's gonna be a horrible person, <laughs> a horrible, <laughs> a horrible villain, uh, which he was, but. Man, again, just the series, the performances that were on display here. I mean, Ellie kind of taking her on herself, obviously, to save Joel and thinking she's, I mean, she's doing a pretty good job at first, but then kind of realized um, it was, she's still young and those, David and his crew, I mean, she still wasn't able to best them and ends up getting taken in by them. Or she was able to escape at first, but when they come looking for her, she does her best to get get out and protect joel which she succeeds in protecting joel but uh ends up getting captured because of that um but man the stuff she had to went through when she was captured by them 
the stuff David was saying to her and planning to do with her was just awful. But the the way she handled it was just so great. And that line she had when she bites his finger and she finally tells uh, David her name, which just to say that so everyone can know who bit your blanking finger was just such a great moment. <laughs> but man, again, but that the episode, the ending of this episode was just, I mean, a powerhouse of emotional performance on display here. Um, after she ends up killing David very brutally, but deservedly so for him. Um, just, man, no words were spoken, but just the facial expressions that Bella Ramsey had as Ellie when she, uh, Joel grabs her from behind and that's that fear and panic that she immediately has, thinking she's going to be taken back by one of David's uh, followers, whatever, just back into that scenario again. But then the immediate relief and just joy that she had that look on her face she had when she sees it's joel was just fantastic and that hug they have and the way joel says you know i got your baby girl just kind of saying kind of really showing and expressing that yeah she is kind of like his daughter now and just that bond that they have was just kind of really cemented in that moment there was just so fantastically done by both pedro pascal and bella ramsey there it was just phenomenal way to end the episode and just cement that relationship they now have uh, moving forward into the finale which <laughs> when it ended and then the preview started saying oh next week on the season finale I went man already that was going to be 10 episodes wrong episode 9 and I sent you a text hey Dane is this enough time to really tell the remaining story <laughs> of the game because I don't know it seems like I was expecting 10 and then now that it's 9 is it going to be rushed at all but you kind of reassured me and say, no, they're like they're kind of at the ending point of the game to where they're at here. So it should be enough time <laughs> to do what they need to do to end the season and tell the rest of the first game story. But yeah, that eighth episode, I think was one of the best of the season. Ah, uh, good. Yeah. That, that was the, the before, uh, Henry and Sam and, uh, I guess Bill and Frank, um, that was the one story I wanted to sort of get your opinion on because uh, man, when you're playing through that part, especially after, um, or when Ellie is trying to, uh, uh, sort of lead the David's group away from, uh, away from Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, <laughs> that's just one of those game moments or gameplay moments where it's like, I, I just feel like running away, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, um, same thing with uh, uh, the, the that end scene where uh, Ellie kills David. Um, that whole scene was is is a boss fight. You know, when they're in the diner and the, yeah. the diner is burning down. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's the David boss fight. Figured. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can kind of tell when there's a boss fight and when there's not, but. Um, yeah, that that's the that's the real one that I wanted to get your opinion on, um, especially you know David being a cannibal, <laughs> yeah. all those people being cannibals, David sort of being creepy with Ellie. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Uh, <laughs> that's <a> yeah. Little <laughs> generous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's the big one that I wanted to get your opinion on. Also, the ending. Um, very very controversial ending. I remember. A lot of 
you know, articles about like the ending of uh, The Last of Us mm-hmm. um, Part One. But uh, j- just give me your thoughts on Episode Ten, uh, Nine. Sorry. Nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was great. I was anxiously waiting to see how they were going to do it. Um, I will say, I I know it was a short episode uh, length time, and I kind of was expecting a little more i mean this is coming from someone who hasn't played the game so maybe it was exactly how it was in the game but just more time spent in the hospital in that moment whether before or even when joe was kind of going through trying to rescue ellie or just i don't know uh, but i was yeah. expecting i was just expecting more time to be spent there it's sent to go by pretty quickly but man it was done really well but i do have a big regret dane <laughs> what is that what remember is that, when you were Tim? giving remember when you were giving me your review of the last of us 2 and yeah. you were saying Tell me what happens in the at the end of the first game, and you ask me, "Do you want me to tell you?" I'm like, "Sure, I want to play the game, but it's probably going to be years down the line." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a TV show. Well, if if I did, I would have told you not to say anything because, yeah. <laughs> man, it would have been a complete like mind blower seeing that sequence play out, not knowing that it was going to happen already. Just going through like Joel doing what he did. And again, it's that moral dilemma. Is like you can understand why he's doing it, but at the same time, he's doing some horrible things here. So it's just—I think—that's what makes it so so great and unique. It just really makes you think. Like, put yourself in his shoes. Would you do the same thing to protect your daughter? Essentially, your daughter who doesn't have a choice in what's going to be done to her, and she's going to not even knowing it. But at the same time, for the good of humanity, is it a sacrifice that has to be made? So it just raises all these different morality questions that uh, really makes you think. And that's what's, I think, the genius of it. So I, mean, I remember even when you were telling me about that, I was like, man, that's actually a pretty smart uh, and different way to go about or way to tell a story. Um, that's, again, that's really one that makes you think. So um, just going off of what you told me, Dane, I was really anticipating and seeing how it was going to play out in the series. And uh, like I said, I, I thought it felt like we could have spent more time there, but just the way, like, it's the somber music that's playing as Joel is making his way through the hospital, taking out the different members of the Fireflies and getting to the operation room uh, with the doctors. And the doctor just walks up and he just, I'm not going to say casually shoots him because the doctor he, he might have a scalpel in his hand, I think, if I remember. But he was going to yeah. go up to Joel to kind of stop him. So Joel did just shoot him right there in the head just to rescue Ellie. But then uh, the final moments with him and Marlene, too, after he shoots her and this is another thing i'm curious about um how different this was for the game where uh marley's talking to joel and i forget the exact line of dialogue but it cuts to joel in the truck driving and you see him with ellie like it i believe it cuts to where you don't know what he's going to do is he going to give ellie back or is he going to go is he going to kill marlene but it just cuts to him in the truck but then it shows that ellie is in the back so it's like okay so he did take her but you don't know what happened to marlene yet and then we get we go back to that moment where he does shoot her and she i mean he just wounds her at first and she, maybe she wouldn't have survived that but even she just asked like for say like you know just go like like let me be but then he ends up just killing her because he knows they're not she's probably in her and the rest of the fireflies are not going to stop till they find ellie so um i was i'm curious of how different that played out editing wise if that, that all happens in one sequence in the game or if it is like the tv show and it cuts to Ellie and Joel in the truck, and then we find out later what actually happens, and he does kill Marlene there. Um, but still, yeah, just great stuff all the way around. I mean, 
uh, again, just uh, an ending and a choice that just really makes you think about like, what would you do in that scenario? Like as that relationship between a father and daughter, um, especially knowing what, how he lost uh, his first daughter and doesn't want to do that again. And that's why it makes that moment in episode six, where he's talking to his brother, Tommy about how all he does is fail, fail the ones he loves. And again, it sets up to, for why he's making this decision here. He's not going to let that happen again. So just really great storytelling, great performances here. Um, and just a great way to, to end the season on. And it's like, it's almost, you don't know what's worse too. I mean, or what's the worst decision that Joel could have made like here or then at the end. And he lies to Ellie about it saying, you know, what he told her, what really happened, that lie he makes up being true. And so it's like, uh, you kind of hate that he's lying to her, but yet at the same time, you understand why he's doing it. But you think also he should know better that she can kind of see through it where you can kind of tell she doesn't believe him. So yeah, just again, this is an episode and just an ending that just really makes you think about a lot of things. So yeah, I thought it was great. Minus feeling, feeling that it was felt a little too rushed a little bit in the hospital moments there, but overall just a great finale to the series. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that that hospital sequence uh, kind of went by too fast, but that's essentially just gameplay. That's a gameplay problem. Of course, like, yeah. <laughs> they, they they just had to cut it down. You know, you you can't do you can't gamify a TV show. You know, um, but yeah, that that last sequence with with Marlene and Joel that plays out scene for scene, cut for cut, how okay. it does in the game. Wow. Yeah. So, so you kind of don't know what happens yeah. uh, for a little bit. And then you hear Ellie wake up from um, from the, uh, uh, what is that called? Anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I will say, or I, I, I guess, you know, sort of like getting you prepared for season, season two or part two or whatever we're calling it. It's got to remember that doctor. They grab yeah. the, <laughs> grab the um, uh, scalpel, <laughs> and you've got to know that this is the end of the Fireflies, right? Like uh, when you meet the Fireflies in the game, they're really struggling. Like, this is their last stand, really. Like they're falling apart, uh, not just in Boston, but all over the place, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Joe kills. Uh, Marley, and that's the end of the Fireflies. Totally. Um, yeah. So, so that's all you need to know. Oh, and of course, what Joel tells, um, what Joel tells Ellie at the end of the game uh, or the TV show where he lies there. But yeah. So, um, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I obviously I remember the big thing that you tell me what happens in The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, which yeah. we won't say here, but um, yeah. like other stuff, I don't remember too much as far as like what leads up to it, certain scenarios, so how like mm. how the game picks up at the beginning. So that I'm gonna try to stay <laughs> spoiler free on, but even though I know yeah. the biggest thing that happens, but it's still kind of nice to go into it a little more, probably a little more fresh than I would for the first game, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, trying not to spoil anything for you. I'm just trying. To, I'm just thinking it through my through my head. So yeah, I won't I be going that, back I, to I listen to our 
our old episode where we reviewed the last of us part two so i can yeah. <laughs> not remember or get spoiled on some of the things that you mentioned in that game besides the well, big one the the last thing i'll say about uh the last of us part one and part two and then season one season two is season one is based on i mean it's it's explores the the theme of love as you can tell right mm-hmm. um how you can love somebody and then how that love can sort of turn toxic and you do stupid things at least you know other people looking in on what you're doing right and then the second season or the part two is about hate right mm. like hate anger revenge but ultimately the dark side. <laughs> yeah ultimately it's it's about forgiveness and that's what a lot of people had a problem with a lot of so-called fans of the last of us um it was more about forgiveness than it was about revenge i guess you could say um i wonder if part uh season two is going to be as controversial as part two um it would be interesting to see will they change certain things but I hope they said, not. I hope they kind of said they're going to do the same thing what they did with season one. Change things where they yeah. think it could be better, but still follow the main narrative and stories that was told in the games. But yeah. here's the thing, Dane, I'll ask you, because I think I've heard them say that uh, they're going to cover The Last of Us Part 2 maybe in multiple seasons, where maybe seasons two and three will cover the whole game. Do you think the game has enough stuff to warrant multiple oh, yeah. seasons? Yeah, okay. There is a lot of stuff that the game barely touches on because you know you you have to focus on these two characters ellie and abby Mm -hmm. um and so yeah like there's a lot of stuff to mine uh in the last of us part two um so yeah i'll just give my overall thoughts and just make it quick because i want to talk about what you think about the game too (laughs) because i know you started playing it yeah um, yeah, I, th- this is definitely one of the best TV shows I've watched. Uh, I rank it right up there with Watchmen, the, the Watchmen television mm-hmm. show. Based on the game, the comic book, um, but they add so much more to it. Um, and that's what I really appreciated. They added so much to it. Like, just l- even like the smallest, littlest thing. Like making Sam deaf mm. uh, to 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 show that you know, unfortunately <laughs> this is tragic. This is so sad that once you are infected, there is still a piece of you inside of you <laughs> because he's still deaf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just little things like that, and of course expanding, you know, the Bill and Frank story. I mean, I I couldn't believe how much they mind off of, you know, just a piece of paper that you read. (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy that they put this whole story and they tell this generate sort of like over years, over decades, love story between these two guys that you would never have gotten in a video game. Right. Because there's, there just wouldn't be enough time and you have to stick with the main characters and you have to gamify it. Um, and I, I've got to say the the greatest and 
another thing they expanded before I get to that, another thing they expanded was Sarah's story, Joel's daughter. Mm, that's right. Because as, as you know, in the beginning of the game. Now I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, you meet her and then unfortunately she dies, right? But then now you get to spend some time with her and see that she is like this fully formed person that has a life and, you know, helps the neighbors out, does all these sorts of things. And then what happens in the game happens, right? Um, but what I do love, and this is so, such a small insignificant thing, is showing the origin of the virus. In mm-hmm. I think it was the cold opening of episode, episode. two. Yeah, yeah, second episode. Where it's like it, it <laughs> it's or originated in Indonesia. Um and you know, like just seeing the that 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 scientist and like doing the the autopsy on that on that woman, and then you know her her fear, you know, where she when she says, you know, th- there's only one thing you can do is that is to just bomb the bomb the city. That's all you can do. There's no cure, and you know they set it up with that first cold opening, where it's like it shows how like a fungus can. Know, sort of like jump into the, the human space, right? And infect humans. Um, I, I, those two cold openings are probably some of my favorite things on the show. And you follow it up with, with Joel saying it's probably, you know, an everyday ingredient and an everyday product that spread all, all over the world and infected everybody. Um, I think in the game, don't quote me on this, but. There's an or the, the origin of the cordyceps is somewhere in South America, um, and I don't think you get that much more from that. So it, it was great to actually see, you know, like like the, the origin of the virus. I mean the, the the fungus, and then you have that first cold opening with with, with that scientist on that TV show, um, so, uh, you know saying how scared he is of like the fungus sort of inf- yeah. being able to infect humans because there is no cure and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't even make a vaccine. Um, and it, 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 it's, it's more, more scary than a, than a virus, you know? So, so that's some of my favorite stuff. And like, j- again, I, I can't, I can't emphasize enough about like how much they expanded the story and how much I love it, how much I love that they did that because some of that stuff you're just flying by, you know, it's, it's really nothing. And the things they added, like on, like on the last episode where um, Joel is talking about this, how he got the scar where it wasn't somebody shooting him. He tried to kill himself. Mm. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a really sad scene and, it's 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 a really great addition to the to the character, I'd say. I, I know there's a lot of controversy uh, with people that played the video game, where Joel is more vicious in the game uh, than he is in in the TV show, and they try harder to make Joel a sympathetic character. Um, but I think you're reading too much into it. Um, you know, did did you see the the hospital scene, <laughs> right. how he killed those those guys and the doctor and all that stuff. But 
Um, but yeah, and I, the way he take took out uh, uh, that part of David's group trying to find Ellie, where you see that, and how right exactly gave, they gave him the information. He still killed him anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, as somebody that's a fan of games, games plural, Tim, because I love, I, I, I like Last of Us Part One and Part Two, especially Part Two. I, the, the, the show is pitch perfect, and like I said when we first started reading the show, Tim. I was totally negative on this. I couldn't <laughs> be less of a fan of this of what they were doing. Just the because, idea of it. Huh? <laughs> yeah, like oh god, they're they're taking a perfect thing and they're ruining it by making it into a TV show or a movie. And we know, we all know how those turn out. Um, but yeah, I totally love this show. Uh, it's my favorite show of the year so far. I totally love it. There's nothing that even compares to it so far in this year. So, yeah, as a fan of the game, as a fan of the uh, of uh, of the TV show, I I totally endorse it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hi. I would agree with you. Coming from someone from mostly blind for the story, except for the big ending. Um... I absolutely loved it and I can see why it was so well regarded um, as a game just for the story that it was telling. Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree with you on that. But yeah, it makes me it makes me curious about what they're going to do with season two. I don't think season two is going to be part two, right? Because uh, uh, Bella Ramsey, uh, yeah, Bella Ramsey is a little too young because I think there's like an eight year time gap between. One and two. Oh, wow, that big. Yeah, so Ellie's in her early 20s. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> in part two. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a while, I think. Yeah. Unless they just cut it down where it's like, this much time hasn't passed. Or do you think that's crucial to the story? <sighs> I think it is crucial. I, I think it is crucial to the story that time has passed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, but Laura Bailey was in uh, was in um, the the final episode. Yeah, I heard on the podcast, uh, the official one they had. I heard that. Yeah, she was one of the nurses there in the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> it's great to see her, especially after all the crap she took in part two. Yeah. No, like it's not the actors. If you have a problem with the story, it's not the actors' <laughs> decision. Yeah, it's not the You're actors' doing. fault. Yeah. Yeah, I I wonder if the whole story of part two is going to be um, as controversial as it was so. when yeah. the Last of Us Part Two came out. Because see if TV audiences <laughs> react better to video game audiences. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's a great thing that such a complex story can be told in a video game medium. I don't know. Oh no! Maybe yeah, I'm, totally. No, <laughs> it's great that. Yeah. But, that video games can do that and almost have that effect. Um, yeah, I mean, wish people would react to it more rationally, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what happens and what people expected to happen at, or what people expected Ellie to do after, and she doesn't do it. So yeah. Well, anyway, we'll see that's what... all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what 
my reaction to it be when I play that the second game. But as you yeah. said, right now I'm playing the finally started playing the first one. <laughs> I got the last of us part one. So <laughs> yeah. So I know we were kind of we we're talking about how I'm judging my progress on it right now. I'd say I'm at episode four, getting close to episode five. I think <laughs> to where <Wow. laughs> going to meet Henry and Sam. Um, You're in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, so I just finished yesterday. I was playing it um, when they were in the hotel, the ruined hotel uh, uh, moment. Yeah. And Joel just gave Ellie uh, uh, her own gun. He had the part where he gave her a rifle to have him have her cover him as it cleared out some of the enemies there. Yeah. So I just yeah, finished yeah. that sequence. <laughs> I see. Wow, Tim, you're really early in the game. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't played it as much as I regularly as I would like. You know what I mean? And playing video games is a slow affair. <laughs> but yeah. I, I really like so far, Tim. I'm yeah. really enjoying it. I mean, gameplay wise, it's like nothing revolutionary or game changing. I mean, it's your typical third person action game, but it's still fun, though. It is more stealthy than I was expecting. I am finding myself taking out enemies stealth wise more than using weapons because they are so scarce and you kind of have to preserve it more. <laughs> you don't, I really feel I don't want to waste my bullets uh, unless I really have to. And save them from clickers and um what are the big ones called again is it uh upload uh wow uh bloaters bloaters I, like, I wanted to say boomers yeah. but i know that wasn't it <laughs> but um yeah well, it might have been boomers yeah i don't think I, so i can't remember yeah <laughs> but it's like make sure i save my weapons and stuff for them because that's when i'm really gonna need it mm-hmm. so it, it does make you Think of like how you want to do and play and take out enemies. So I try to do as much stealth as possible. But I mean, really, I think uh, what the game, at least from my point of view, is known for was its storytelling and characters. And it's uh, really great experiencing that on the gameplay side of things and seeing those differences. I will say it's probably going to be one of those things I might be a little more biased towards the TV show because that was my first exposure to the story. And I really loved what they did with it. So when there's going to be certain things that play out differently in the game, so far, I'm kind of leaning more towards enjoying uh, how the TV show did things. One thing, for example, is uh, Tess's death. Um, how that was done in the TV show, I think, was more impactful and meaningful than it was in the game, where um, at least how I played, I didn't even see it happen. I was trying to make my way out. And before I got to the top, she was already dead. Because I guess if you go there quickly, can you like try to help her out and shoot the enemies, the soldiers going in there? No. Okay. No. <laughs> So no, things can't. like yeah. things like that. Um, I've been, I thought the show did things better. So it, we'll see if it's more of a mix as I go further in the game. Maybe there'll be some stuff in the game that I think does better. And But right now, I think the TV show, for the stuff I play through, um, I've enjoyed more. But at the same time, being impressed with how the TV show adapts certain scenes and elements from the game really, really well. So yeah, I'm having fun with it. One thing I will say that... Uh, the TV show or the game is doing better than the TV show did was having Ellie tell more jokes from the pun book. <laughs> There's more of that in the game. And I also did miss, even though uh, they did a whole different uh, change with Bill. Uh, I love the jabs Ellie would take at Bill and making fun of him <laughs> as yeah. you're uh, running around with him and trying to make your way to the car. So <laughs> little things like that were fun stuff yeah. that the game had that the TV show didn't have, but it's still just, great experience and it it looks fantastic on the ps5 the new build they did for it it looks amazing 
did you replay replay it when they did that uh version when it came out uh just just the beginning part okay. yeah i just want I, I mean i bought it i just wanted to see what it looks like and it looks gorgeous like yeah. I, I i can't believe how, how good it looks because you hear these you know remasters and whatever and it it, it just looks, looks like a slightly better version of like the original final fantasy 7 characters right um but like it it, it looks like it, it it looks like the final fantasy 7 remake mm-hmm, like that big um, of a jump yeah that big of a jump yeah uh one yeah, scene i mean there was other versions out there like free versions i could play like the last of us remastered for the ps4 or the playstation <laughs> 3 classic it was like nah, i want to play it as best as it could be and yeah uh even though it was like it's a seventy dollar game, but I got it on when it was having one of its sales, so I got it for like twenty five bucks off or something like that. So it was definitely worth it. I have no regrets <laughs> paying for the yeah. play this version of it because it looks phenomenal. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, now that I think about it, you should have just played part two. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like because uh, yeah, just play part two. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's pretty much the entire story of the game, you know, uh, I, season I one. I can't do that. I got to play. I got to play. The you got to play part <laughs> one, and then you got to play the DLC, and then you got to read the comic book, and then you got to then you gotta play part two. Yeah, I got to <laughs> do things in order. <laughs> I wouldn't feel right doing it any yeah. other way. I mean, the main reason why is completely selfish, where it's like, I want to know how you, because you, you're so uh. attached to these characters, right? Right, yeah, like, that's like, the big thing. Like you like it. Joel and you like Ellie, and I want to see how like, your reaction is to what happens. To right. that game. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, but, and you were mentioning uh, uh, how like you know you, you're being cautious with with like your ammo and because there's so much stealth stuff you got to do and things like that. In part two, you can mm-hmm. just run straight through a level. And oh, really? Just reach the end. Yeah. Yeah, they, they give you that choice. It's a little huh. more open world level. Okay. Esque. Yeah. And Interesting. Yeah, you, there are whole fight scenes that I just ran through. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, nope, not today. <laughs> I'm just gonna get to the next checkpoint. But yeah. Well, that's uh, good to know. <laughs> Moving forward. I'm glad you're liking it, Tim. I'm glad you're liking it. Yeah, I just. Got to make sure I beat it before Jedi Survivor comes out. I got a full month, so that <laughs> hopefully should be enough time for me. But with me, you just never know. <laughs> yeah. Is is Jedi Survivor going to be standard 60 frames per second? Or are they going to give you the option like, oh, do you want things to look pretty? Or do you want better frame rates? I'm not sure. I haven't read on that. But aren't most yeah. games now giving you the choice? So yeah. I imagine it will be. Why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 Yeah. Maybe one of these days it'll just be you can do what the developers want it to be. You don't have to make that hard choice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with the PS7. <laughs> <laughs> Two more console generations from now. This one. <laughs> But yeah, oh, so wait, Last of Us. Uh, so, sorry, sorry, forgot to mention before we end the Last of Us talk. Um, I really enjoyed seeing Ashley Johnson. Um, oh yeah, as Ellie's mom. Yeah, uh, because I I can't remember. I think you just 
I think she's just referenced in passing. I don't think you you interact with anything in the world, you know, that um, triggers a memory and they talk about her. She, she's just in passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it was so great to actually see her and, you know, Unfortunately, she gets bit and then has has Ellie <laughs> gives birth to Ellie. So, yeah, I that was great, and I'm so glad they they left uh, Ashley Johnson for the uh, for the last episode. Yeah, it was a cool way to have her be involved with it. This keeps hearing him talking about too. Oh, she like gave birth to the character of Ellie twice, just in her original performance, and now literally gave birth to her in the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's it's just cool that they're finding ways to have the video game actors be involved with it too, to kind of show their respect for them and what they did and contributed to the just the Last of Us of the franchise and being the ones who kicked it off. Yeah, I was I, I was surprised to see uh, Troy Baker. He doesn't yeah. talk anything like Joel. <laughs> no, that's just a testament to his voice acting talent. <laughs> yeah, or or the Joker. <laughs> right. Like the Joker or Batman too. He does he does or all. Batman. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so obviously big fans of the first season of The Last of Us. It was a great TV show to kick off the year of 2023 with and definitely looking forward to more. But with that, I guess that'll do it for this episode. It was a lot of great stuff to talk about on this one. So good to be back as always. Yes, it is. Hopefully no more uh, surprise trips. (laughs) Or delays. Yeah. Don't suck, Tim. It was What's freezing cold and it was raining. <laughs> oh yeah, you ever talked about Los Angeles, California? It's always hot. Not this winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. <laughs> oh, it's raining where you are too. Or was? it was raining this week? Yeah, we're supposed to be having rain tomorrow also. So I'm enjoying it while it lasts because I know it's not going to last <laughs> for a good amount of time, and it'll just be the same crazy hot weather. Probably from April to no, next November. So I'm trying to enjoy this cold weather while I can. Well, if it rains, Tim, just look at it as a uh, well. For all California people, if it's raining where you are right now, it's a free car wash. <laughs> and it just makes your car more dirty. <laughs> <Funny Yeah. ours. laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, yeah, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, facebookcom Universe. Show us around. I mean, the the <laughs> uh, Batman Universe's Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Uh, the show's Twitter handle is at Batman's Podcast. Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. My Twitter handles at Dane's Banana. Rate and reviews on iTunes. And if you want to email the show, you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our Last of Us loving hearts for those who played the games, love the TV shows, haven't played the game, watched the TV show, but is now playing the game. We love each and every one of you. <laughs> wow. That was a mouthful. I covered a lot. I think I covered all the bases of how you can experience The Last of Us, right? <laughs> uh, read the comic book? Oh, I forgot watch, that one. <laughs> yeah. Watch a... Uh, um, uh, you know where they cut the cutscenes into like one big movie? Oh, yeah. That's what they, yeah. <laughs> that is called. Um, yeah. That's the last one, too. 
Okay, uh, right. well, so, two, two I didn't, or two versions that I missed. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, we'll see you guys next time, everybody. See you next time. Yeah.